Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Hey, welcome back. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner and CEO of Cordell & Cordell. Again, continuing to bring you information for guys before, during, and after divorce and covering all aspects related to family law. And today is no different. Uh, I'm going ahead and joined with one of our attorneys here at Cordell & Cordell. You can introduce yourself. Welcome. Sure. Uh, I'm Nicholas Grenade. I'm out of the Fayetteville, Georgia office. I'm a litigation manager out there. Great. Thanks for joining. So today, an interesting topic. It's one of the things... If you've been watching our podcast for the last two plus years, we haven't talked about this, and it's it's something that's pervasive in family law, and that is really you know the the goal is to settle your case if possible, and that is uh, trying to get all the issues resolved without having to go to trial and letting a judge who you don't know, who doesn't know you, doesn't know your kids, or doesn't understand your property, your situation, or your circumstance, make that decision for you. And it's something you always want to avoid if possible and only when it makes sense. And so we want to talk about that. We want to talk about settlement and what I tend to think is maybe a a pandemic in family law, and that is forced settlements or feeling obligated to settle your case. It's one of those things that I think we uh, avoid and we try to preach uh, the opportunity to try your case if you want to. And uh, as long as it makes legal sense and we have a good legal argument and position, we're going to talk about who controls that. And uh, we really, I think, from today's perspective, what we want to get across is you have the choice. It's your option. Uh, you make the call. Obviously, we want to do it with informed legal uh, authority and decision-making and strategy, and you're paying us for the best advice you can get. Uh, we'll talk a lot about that. So, Nicholas, let's talk about the importance of settlement. I think that's a great point or place to start for guys that are kind of thinking about, all right, I get it. We've heard settlement. I understand it. I want to settle my case. Or I come in and I say, hey, it is settled. But, you know, why is it so important, you know, with every case that I have? And and I meet with guys and I say, hey, is there an opportunity that we can try to settle this case for you? It saves money. And, but I want you to talk a little bit about that, the importance of settlement. Why, why even are we talking about that today? Sure. Well, I mean, Settlement is the end of the case. Um, settlement is uh, what you live with after the divorce is over. It's pretty much the only surviving aspect of the case. Uh, you're ordered to abide by it, ultimately. Mm-hmm. There are consequences if you don't. So there's some permanence there that you get um, once that is entered and accepted by the court. Uh, and there's very few aspects of a settlement that could possibly be modified. Um Child custody can be modified, of course, until a child reaches the age of adulthood, and then child support and alimony. But other than that, all your property division, mm-hmm. uh, your debt division, uh, anything like that, your financial concerns largely are ended at that point, and you have to live with that result. So settling is extremely important. And as you said earlier, it, it can be a good option. Mm-hmm. Uh, people want to avoid the costs and stress of going to court but it's not the only option, and I think that's that's the important thing to consider for clients. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just meeting with an attorney. We were just talking about 
their caseload and our caseload and in general, where I think you make a good point that settlement isn't for everyone because in this conversation I was having, uh, one of the main disputes they were being offered in settlement, the very worst case scenario that could ever inconceivably happen if they tried the case. And, and I think that's always the the approach when we think about it, for me at least, is I'll tell my client, look, here's the worst case, here's the best case, and here's what I think is likely to happen. And then, you know, obviously in a settlement, if there are only going to offer you the worst case, well, it's economics now. We talk about the cost of that decision to go forward and avoid settlement. But in reality, I think you alluded to it, there's a there's always the problem. And I referenced it as the pandemic in family law. You know, and, and I don't, maybe a lot of lawyers get offended when I say that because in my, I mean, I've been doing this 29 years and I see it often where attorneys are, you know, they, they just don't want to try the case. They think it's more work. I, I ran across an attorney 15 years ago who would consistently tell their client they know better than the client did about their own situation. And you're going to settle this case because it's best for you. And it didn't really have anything to do with the law. Um, I mean, that's really it. That, I mean, isn't that the problem that you have when we talk about settlement? Absolutely. I, I see it as well. Um, and, and the problem with that approach uh, really is that there are things that, one, uh, as an attorney, we can't place value on. We mm -hmm. can't place, we can't tell a client how much to value certain things with their children um, or relationships that may be impacted by how how things are settled. So, for an attorney to kind of come in and say, I know what's best for you, mm -hmm. um, that's that's a dangerous game to play, I think, mm -hmm. as an attorney. Um, what we see is, uh, I think attorneys in general practices a lot of times, uh, divorce cases are not the popular case that comes through the door for those guys. And I think that they treat it as such. Mm -hmm. They give limited time and focus on those cases, and then they kind of work the cases up for a certain amount of time, and they get it to maybe a mediation. And mm -hmm. then at that point, they're, they want to be done with it. Yeah. They, they want to just go ahead and move the case. Um, get to the next one, you know, get more money through the door, perhaps, uh, and and not go to the trouble, as you said, of preparing and trying the case, which is a, is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so we see a good bit of, I, I would consider it neglect uh, to some extent the, of attorneys not really paying attention mm -hmm. and not knowing uh, kind of what to do in terms of preparing for court. And so you end up seeing them really pressuring their, their clients yeah. to settle and perhaps they could do, do better. Of right. course, on the other side of that negotiation, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of reap the benefit of that, but yeah. it's certainly not the way as, as we would approach things as attorneys here yeah. at Cordell. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, as I think through it, maybe the misperception or misunderstanding, every lawyer that goes to law school doesn't always want to go to court. Not everyone in, in law school who gets a law degree wants to try cases. Uh, I was in law school and at some point I was in a moot court, which is where you kind of learn how to, to go into court. And I paired myself with someone who did not want to argue uh, they did not want to go make oral arguments or present evidence or make objections. They wanted to write the legal brief, and it was a great pairing. They didn't want to be in court. I did. I didn't want to write. You know, so it was a wonderful pairing, but that's the example is I think you do see those individuals in family law. They enjoy the area 
Um, it becomes more of, you know, on our diploma, at least mine or my license, it says attorney and counselor. So that word has always struck me as being, okay, I do sometimes think like I feel like I'm a therapist or a counselor because I'm, I'm, we listen. And part of our job is to uh, to listen and to hear and to maybe empathize with the individual and to try to counsel them, uh, not just on the law. You know, I'm not qualified necessarily, but man, I've been doing it a long time and I've seen it all. But uh, I think that's kind of what you you encounter is some of these attorneys and I mean, throughout my career, and I know, at least in my area, and I tell my clients, well, we're going to be able to settle this case if we have to because they do not want to try it. They never do. They, they all act like it, but in the end, we'll get our way. And I mean, imagine you run across that. Absolutely. Yeah, we have very similar situations. They may come in and, uh, you know, blow a lot of hot air and, mm-hmm. and come in kind of aggressively. And it's almost like they're trying to posture to try to just maximize what they think they can get. But then at the end of the day, as an attorney who's not afraid to go to court, we're going to stand our ground just yeah. because they're talking big. And then when push comes to shove, though, and you end up in that mediation session or, or that final kind of negotiation, you see them start conceding mm-hmm. and you see them start to to settle for terms that are beneficial, maybe more for your client instead of theirs. I, you know, I think the main thing is the client is the one that makes that decision. Totally. And so, we, as you said, we're there as counselors. We're there to go through the pros and cons. Um, litigation costs is a, is a con of going to court. Mm-hmm. So it's not that that isn't considered, but you have to weigh that against, you know, the benefit of settling. Mm-hmm. And the example that you gave earlier, I, I saw that in a recent case that I was dealing with where the other side was giving the absolute worst and probably worse than the worst, if that makes sense. It it just really wasn't in the realm of uh, what I thought was reasonable if we did go to court. Now, Mm -hmm. if I pressured my client to settle in a situation like that, I mean, that would just not, I would not be doing my duty to that client. Mm -hmm. And instead, even though the client really, I think in an ideal situation, wanted to to settle, didn't want to bring his family through that litigation process and court and the publicness of it and everything. You know, he knew, and and through my advice to him, he knew that he could do better. Yeah. And so at that point, it it actually made the decision easy when I laid it out for him that this is what they're offering and this is the range. You mentioned a range of mm-hmm. possibilities. We don't know what's going right. to happen, of course. We don't have a crystal ball. There's a third party that's going to make that decision in court, and mm-hmm. you have no control over them except to persuade. Yeah. And so, but we do have an idea having gone to court many, many times. We have seen outcomes. Mm-hmm. There are similarities between cases. And so we can kind of provide a good, competent range of, of potential outcomes. And so when that offer, that final offer was well outside and, and you know, below that range, it made it easy uh, for the client to say, you know what, uh, you know, we got to go to court. Yeah. You know, the amount of money that was a difference in what they were offering versus the cost and the expected outcome, even on the low end, mm-hmm. it was more beneficial, even financially, mm-hmm. uh, even considering the cost of litigation, that uh, in all likelihood, he was going to walk out with more money, even having to pay for the fees and so forth of going there. Yeah. I mean, I've, um, in for years, I have likened law and attorneys to doctors, medical doctors. 
in that, you know, we want the the client to treat us like we're a physician handling a life-threatening condition because we all know we go to a doctor and we trust our physician implicitly. Now, similarly, when you go to your physician and you have an issue and they're going to make a recommendation, hey, I'm going to suggest you do X. However, here's the alternative. You don't have to, but, I, you know, it really is ultimately your decision. Uh, I'm going to present with you the side effects of this medication. If you don't want to take it, that's fine with me. And I have a, um, my personal physicians that way. They're not going to, you know, push something down my throat and be, just because they have more education, they have more skill, more experience. Again, as you suggest, it really is the, the client's decision rather than and like the patient's decision. I think that's so important. And I've always told my clients, and you've alluded to, is that, look, here's what do I think? If you're wanting my professional opinion, yeah, I think you should take this deal. But let me tell you something that's really important. I'm prepared to try your case. That's and if you want to go, we're going to go. And I am going to fight for you. And I think that's the element. And then we kind of slide into what the role of the attorney is. And that is that's what's missing perhaps thoroughly in our industry is attorneys who are one willing to go to trial. Yes, it costs more money, but the point is, is I have to be willing to fight for my client, right? Right. Absolutely. I think that's a great comparison, Scott. Uh, There is a significant difference between unduly pressuring our clients Mm -hmm. uh, to settle when perhaps they could do better or should fight, as you said, and advising effectively and even firmly. Yeah. And to, to relate it to your comparison with a doctor, if you have an emergent uh, issue, medical issue that you mm-hmm. could lose a limb or lose yeah. <laughs> lose a life, right. then obviously that decision, that advice from the doctor is going to become a, a lot more uh, firm and, mm-hmm. and emergent. Just as in a case, uh, if we see a more of a clear path or a clear outcome and we believe that our client's going to make a poor decision, mm-hmm. it's also our duty to kind of warn them about that too. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a difference between not wanting to try cases and forcing clients to fi- or to, to settle and um, cautioning yeah. clients uh, in, in an appropriate way when you see that they may be making a poor decision. Yeah. And that, of course, can have to do with settlement or going to court. Um, and that that is part of our role as the attorney. Uh, we wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. We we advise, we advocate, we fight for our clients uh, when it's appropriate to do that, and then we also uh, help them kind of create appropriate expectations of mm-hmm. how how things could go forward. Yeah, I mean, I think it is so critical, and you make a great point, and that is. We want to make sure the client understands your analogy to a life-threatening condition. Like if, if you don't – if I don't take your foot off, you will die if I'm a doctor. I mean it's it's similar to – look, here's what I'm pretty certain a judge is going to do. And this is the opportunity to settle for slightly better. And I just want to make sure you understand. But whatever your choice is, I will uh, honor that. You know, it's kind of that, that theory. Um, and I think it is about fully informing them. And I think that's what you see – is some lawyers just, they're so focused on getting this resolved that it is to the detriment of the client, that they, they're more self-interested than the interest of the client. For me, I try to impress on young lawyers who are just coming out of school that it's sometimes far easier to try the case than to settle. I really believe that. I mean, I've done it for so long. 
And my clients are happier sometimes when they try the case because they've had their day in court. And albeit the results are different, they're skewed, they may be better, worse, we don't know. But it all starts with, as you suggest, not being forceful and direct and telling them they have to do it, but fully informing them and making sure they make the, you know, the choice that's best for them. I mean, I've known them for maybe nine months. I don't know their life. I don't know their kids intimately. I don't know. I do know their financial situation on paper. But I think you're right. In all those instances, that's kind of where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. And what's really interesting is to see over the past couple of years how the the COVID pandemic has mm-hmm. affected this kind of thing. Because what what we're seeing, uh, what we've seen, you know, in the past couple of years is long delays. And so you get this additional pressure that we have to be careful to keep our clients focused mm-hmm. um, in the right places. That, yes, there are delays oftentimes now trying to get into court, but that doesn't mean that we necessarily need to concede uh, everything um, or things that are very important in a settlement. And so we are seeing perhaps other attorneys being more willing to settle because of that. And it should play into that Mm pro-con analysis, of course, that if being divorced, I think, is its own benefit in and of itself. And so if there's going to be a long delay versus getting into court next month, that's certainly something we would advise on. Uh, We're familiar with, and even from court to court, uh, there may be a backlog in some court and not so much in another, and you may be able to get in quicker. But Mm -hmm. it's had an impact, I think, on on people's willingness to settle. As the attorney, we use that counselor hat, and, Mm -hmm. and we have to help them weigh those and not just throw up their hands, their clients, and just say, oh, whatever, I'll sign whatever. No, we don't need to do that. We need to just think through this and talk through it and make the best decision for you and your family. The other thing we're seeing is uh, a lot of virtual, uh, Mm -hmm. virtual hearings that there's a positive and negative to that. It allows courts to get rid of some of the, of the backlog because they're able to schedule those, especially when there were closures of courthouses and so forth. But there are limitations on the effectiveness of how you present your case. Yeah. Um, not being in person and being able to have tangible things in front of you to mm-hmm. show the judge and and to have a live witness in person, there's just a different element to being it, being on camera, perhaps, instead of right in front of someone. So that's something else that we have to advise on mm-hmm. and consider if we're, we're thinking of, of going to court or, or settling. Yeah, I think that pandemic has created such uncertainty. Pre-pandemic in 2019, I, mean, I could tell my clients here in Missouri, yeah, you'll be done between six and nine months on average. And I, and I get it. You know, death, taxes, divorce, three stressful items, add pandemic, I have a case that was filed in 2019, still not resolved. Hopefully, you know, we're going to be, you know, through year three. It's craziness. And so, yes, settlement is an option, but it shouldn't be the only option. Again, it's, you know, we want to assist in removing some of those unhealthy, you know, issues that they have being divorced if we can, and that is trying to settle it. I mean, I think that's so important to get the right thing uh, for someone's situation if it is uncertain and unhealthy and stressful. Absolutely. So that's a whole other aspect of pressure that clients can be going through, just the uncertainty. Uh, you know, we had a number of clients lose their their jobs mm-hmm. as a result, especially early on when complete industries were up in the air for some time. I know being in Fayetteville, we're close to, to the Delta Hub over there. Right. And so 
you know, as, as you know, the airline industry took a big hit yeah. initially. So we had a lot of clients dealing with that uncertainty of, am I going to still have a job? Can mm-hmm. I afford to continue with this divorce? Can I afford this child support that I may be having to pay? Should I agree to this based on my current income or mm-hmm. or not and wait and see what happens? Because if I lose my income, I just can't do it. Um, and so that certainly has impacted things. We are coming out of that I feel like the mm-hmm. things are getting a little bit more certain. So there's some positive news there, um, but it still is affecting people, I think, mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis. So, And I think to kind of wrap up our segment, and we can talk settlement and how we're saying, oh, yes, you should consider, but don't be forced. Let, let, guys are thinking, well, what are we about? What's our stance? What's our, you know, I think you've gotten a little sense of how I feel, how Nicholas feels in terms of, Settlement, but really kind of talk about the approach maybe you take, we take as a firm, as it relates. And, I, and I'm, I'm certainly will offer my thoughts um, because it varies. Obviously, I think in Georgia, at one point when I practiced there, there was mandatory mediation for a couple hours. I can't remember if it was three hours or five hours. We don't have that here yet. I know it's coming. Uh, so that affects everything. So maybe talk about the stance. Absolutely. And you're, you're right on. They still have that uh, mandatory mediation and I would say most counties mm-hmm. uh, in Georgia. I have, uh, from time to time, we cover a lot of area over there. So occasionally we'll get a, a court in a county that uh, does not require the mediation. But I would say the vast majority, especially the counties that I practice in, um, do require it. And so you know you're going to at least have that one opportunity to attempt negotiations and perhaps settlement and you want to you want to make the most of that. We always meet with our clients prior to that. And if clients indicate beforehand that they want to attempt to settle, you know, maybe at the outset, that's something that is an option as well. I think the best way to put it is we're there to provide their options. We're there to advise them on how to go about obtaining the best result that they are going to be most satisfied with. And if that means attempting an informal settlement uh, at the very outset. And, and it makes sense and we can walk through and we have enough information because, of course, there are concerns sometimes about lack of information. So maybe you, you may desire to, to settle, but it may not be a good uh, option for you if you don't know all the pieces of the puzzle, essentially. Mm-hmm. But if that's something that works and is, is best for the client, then that, that can be an option. Mediation mm-hmm. is required. And then... In that mediation session, we give it our best shot. You know, you're you're forced to go, but mm-hmm. after that, it's kind of voluntary. Yeah. So, and that's where we're talking through and doing the pro and con analysis and seeing if we can get there in a way that makes sense to settle the case, to have that finality so that they can move on with their lives, or if we're too far away mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't make sense to settle, then at that point, I tell clients all the time, we're shifting gears now. Mm-hmm. We've we've kind of built up our case. We've prepared for negotiations. But once that mediation is over and if it's unsuccessful, now we're getting ready to to be that staunch advocate for, right. for our clients' rights and get ready to go into court. You can still settle the case, and uh, it's, it's possible. Um, but at that point, we need to be – getting pretty serious about how we're going to present and argue our case mm-hmm. to the to the court. I mean, it's much like, you know, I always try to find present-day analogies as we think through this. And obviously, we're all familiar with what's going on in Ukraine. And 
You know, you read a lot about they're trying to get to the table with Russia and negotiate and try to settle and get some sort of truce. But similarly, you know, not not that war is very similar, although we we refer to his divorce as civil war. But you want to argue, you want to try to negotiate from a position of strength. Imagine if Ukraine had no defense and they were just getting beaten up by Russia and Russia think, well, I'm going to take Ukraine in a matter of hours. But then Ukraine's trying to settle. But what's the point? No one's going to settle unless you can settle or negotiate from a position of strength, which is kind of what's going on now. Ukraine's put up a good fight and they may have an opportunity, but it's very similar in family law. It's not to be distracted by the word settlement because we are a domestic litigation firm. And I truly believe that you can only achieve a, a good settlement typically when you're prepared, when you have strength, when you show strength. So we prepare for trial as assuming it's going to. But in my cases, I often suggest to the clients, look, let's get all the parties together informally, not informal mediation, which we've mentioned, talked about. In some instances, is required. But I just did one where both attorneys got in the room, both clients. We start talking, hey, let's just see if there's an opportunity here to avoid a lot of money, uh, a lot of trial expense, and see. Well, you know, we at least got some things on the table. We knew that there were some areas we knew weren't going to be at issue, so we exclude those, but we couldn't settle it, but we gave it a shot. And I think that's kind of where Cordell's differing position is, is we, we get the best of both worlds. I think some people think, oh, you're just going to try every case. And that and that's not true, right? I mean, you don't try every single case you have, I imagine. No, you don't. You don't. I mean, some cases don't need to be tried. Mm-hmm. And in some cases the parties are very motivated and willing to be reasonable and settle. And if you have a situation like that, even in complicated situations that have a lot of moving parts, it is well worth putting in that time. Mm -hmm. You have control uh, when you settle to some extent. Um, When you go to court, you don't really have any control. The judge has it. And hopefully you can persuade him or her to to rule in your favor, but you don't get to carefully craft it necessarily. Right. And in, in uh, negotiations and settlement, you do have that. So there are certainly a lot of uh, times it, it is advantageous to clients to settle both for the financial part and um, to have the case over, uh, to, to put it behind the client so that he can move on with his life. But... I think it's just important to reiterate, ultimately, it's up to the, the client to mm-hmm. make that decision about whether it's worth it um, or not. And our clients know that we're willing to go to court if that's yeah. what uh, the client wants to do ultimately. As long as they are being informed and and I can tell that they understand what I'm advising, mm-hmm. if they make an informed decision then uh, and they want to go to court, then that's where we're going to go. Yeah. And informed uh, is the key. I think it's a great way to end the segment as we talk about information. And I think I likened again to medicine. If a doctor comes to you and says, hey, you've got this, uh, this disease, um, I'm going to go to Google. You know, I'm going to try to figure out and make an informed decision. You know, I want to hear. I'm going to gather all the facts. Uh, I want to investigate myself, but I want to rely on those professionals and their opinion as well. But, I mean, I think that's the key is too often you just see lawyers going out there saying, we're going to settle this case. You just need to. You just got to. And it, and it's not intelligent. It's not informed. Uh, it's not – it just isn't. And so I think that's the way to end it is – and we, I've talked about this in nearly almost every virtual town hall and podcast and in-person seminar. 
that we do. We educate for, and that's why we're doing this. It's education, uh, information, so you know you're equipped with the tools necessary to make the right decision for you. You can use us as we need. You know, we're, we're the person that we, you can rely on to give you information, to guide you along that path. And that's why we say a partner that can walk that walk with you in family law. But it is about really being informed. So, Nicholas, thanks. Great, great stuff today. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We'll keep tuning in. You know, every time we'll post something like this on YouTube. And you can tune into our podcast as well. Uh, but you can go to dadsdivorce.com, mensdivorce.com. And more information about us and across the country, if you need our services, you can go to cordellcordell.com. Give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW if you want to schedule a consultation. We can do it virtually on the phone or in person, wherever you feel it's appropriate for you around the country. So until next time, have a great week. 